Hey, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're really glad you decided to join us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and lifts you up. If you're looking for some more information about New River Church, just check us out at newriverchurch.org. So we're in the study, Experiencing God, and we've been in it for a while, and, and every week Doug has a memory verse that he likes us to do. And I, I'm not saying that he did it purposefully, but um, he gave me the hardest one to preach out of. Um, if we want to look at it, this is the one he gave me to talk on. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now, if there is a top 10 of scriptures that you don't want to preach on, this would be in there. It, it is actually one of the scariest um, scriptures because if we're being honest, most of us are not living like this. I myself, um, when I read that, I say, give up everything, everything that you have. You cannot be my disciples. That is actually a very scary verse. I don't think I'm alone in that. I don't think I'm alone in that. But if you look at the scriptures and you look at the greats in the Bible, that's exactly what they did. If you look at Noah, Noah gave up everything. He built a boat when there was no rain. He not only saved all of mankind, but he saved the entire animal kingdom. And then we have Moses. Now Moses himself freed God's chosen people. He's freed, they, they counted 600,000 men, and that's not even counting the women and children. So you're looking at a million people that Moses himself went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh let the people go, he went and he was chased by them, and the actual Red Sea parted for him so that he could take God's chosen people across for safety to the promised land. That's giving up everything, am I right? And now when we look at Jonah, Jonah actually gives me some hope because Jonah's a little bit more like me and maybe you, where he, at first, when God told him to do something, he was like, I'm not having that, and ran the other way. But when he actually did bow himself to the Lord, he went to Nineveh, and the entire country bowed their knee to the Lord. He gave up any, everything, and he got everything. An entire country repented and turned. And then let's look at all the disciples. I mean, they gave up their careers, their families, everything to follow Jesus. So clearly, the Bible is not kidding when it says give up everything. So when I became a Christian, I waited for this moment. I mean, I bowed my knee, and I was waiting for this big transformation. And granted, at the time, I was four years old when I became a Christian. But I was raised in the church and when you're raised in the church, you are, you know, you learn the Beatitudes and, and you know the Ten Commandments and you learn all these stories that we have read about. And you're told God's going to do amazing things in your life. God's going to work in you and do amazing things. So I waited for it. All right, Lord, here I go. Where is the country you want me to go to to free the slaves? Where do you want me to go for your chosen people? I'm waiting for the Red Sea to part, and I'll walk through it, but bring me the Red Sea. And as I, I kept walking, nothing was happening year after year. I mean, I shared my faith a few times. I brought a few people to Bible studies, but there was no magical moment of where I was going to part the Red Sea and walk through it. So... I've been doing this youth group for a while, and a couple of my kids, five years ago, a couple of my kids wanted to do the Hartford Project. Now, let me tell you about this Hartford Project. The kids love it. 
They say it is life-changing. You go in and you leave a completely different person. And what you do during this time is you go and you actually stay in a church in Hartford. And you sleep there and you eat there and you get the experience of being in a, in a, a shelter. And you get a completely different perspective than one that you might have previously had. So you go in, you sleep on a, a floor. Not, it's not even as nice as the floor we're on right now. It's like a cafeteria floor in this old church, and every day you get to go and do different missions through the city of Hartford. And so when the kids came to me, we had two interns at the time, so the boys were covered for chaperones, and they needed two women chaperones. So they came to me, and they said, please, it's going to change your life. It changes our life every time we go. As a matter of fact, one of my youth group kids had an opportunity to go to California, and it was the same week that the Hartford Project was, and she chose the Hartford Project rather than going to California. So I thought, okay, here we go. I'm going to dare to be a Daniel. I am going to go to this Hartford Project, and the Lord is going to show up mightily, and this is going to be my parting of the Red Seas. This is going to be great. The problem is, I don't really like to sleep on the floor. I don't really like to do mission work. I don't really like to do anything. But like the scripture says, let's give up everything. Let's go. So we go, and, and I, um, I, needed another, I needed another person to go with me. So I said, who can I go? Who, this is going to be a hard sell. Like, no one's lining up to go to this thing. So I called my friend Sonny, and Sonny, I need to highlight the difference between me and Sonny. Sonny has literally spent weeks, if not months, in Africa. She loves it. Her heart is for missions. She goes into New York City in the, in the scariest part. She goes door to door handing out blankets and telling people about Jesus, and it's something that she actually enjoys. She um, does homeless shelters, and right now she's actually fostering four children under the age of 10, and she's 25 years old. Like, she just has this heart for missions. And so when she goes to Africa, she doesn't just go for like a, a week, she goes for weeks at a time. And just to highlight the difference, one time, Sunny called me, and she said, um, can we please meet? I have to process something with you, and, I, and I'm really upset about it. Please, can we meet? And I dropped everything, and we came to the church, and we're sitting there talking, and she's telling me about this baby that she had been holding in Africa, and this baby was so sick, and how her heart was just broken for this baby, and it was um, just puking on her and just um, snotting on her and coughing on her. And I was like, and she wanted to, to get some money to get this baby medication, and her heart was just broken, and she had to process this. And I'm listening to her, and my heart is hurting for her, until I asked her, well, have you, have you heard from this baby since? Have you, have you, you know, caught up since you've been home? And her response was, I don't know. I just got off the plane and came here. And the moment she said that, this is the only sign that I saw. Stop Ebola. That's the difference between me and Sonny. All I could think of is when you go, this is way before Corona, but every time you went to the doctors, there is a huge thing that says, have you been to Africa lately? And if so, you're going to go, because you're going to get Ebola. How, do you guys remember that? And so as she's talking to me about this baby, all I can see is I'm going to get Ebola and bring it home to my family. And I started socially distancing myself from her before it was actually popular and politically correct. I was flipping out. 
as much as she loved going to um, Africa, I'm thinking, God, that I don't have to go to Africa. Do you see what I'm saying about the two different personalities? So as soon as I find out that this Harford project is here, I'm like, I know exactly who to take. So I call Sunny. I'm like, Sunny, are you in? She is absolutely in. And off we go to the Hartford Project. Here's the group of kids that went. We pack up our stuff. And what we did is you, you literally, I'm not joking, you sleep on the floor, on a hardened floor. And I, I thought I would be nice, and I, I got the two interns that went to Walmart, and I bought them little uh, mattresses you know, the little camper blow-up ones. And I thought I'd save the church a few dollars, and I borrowed my sister-in-law's mattress. And so we, we go in, and people are sleeping on yoga mats, and what happens is that it's a huge room. And this is obviously pre-COVID, so there's probably like 15 churches there, and you get a square for each um, church group. And so I go in, and we had great worship. We had great um, music, and we go in, and I go to plug my, my uh, mattress in, and I did not realize, but it was a huge queen-size mattress that about three feet off the ground. So my, it literally looked like I dragged my box spring and mattress from my home to the Hartford Project. And I am like the princess in the pea, and my mattress is up to here with a nice quilt, and everyone else is just sleeping on the hard floor. And I thought, God is blessing me. This is exactly what I imagined. Like, I am giving up things for the Lord, he is blessing me. So we go to bed that night, and it was fantastic. And apparently the Harford Project also wanted you to get the prison experience because at 7 a.m., all lights flip on, and it is time to go. We have to get our beds out of the way, and here comes the breakfast train. Now, you have to understand, with, with my husband and I, we have a game that we like to play. Our children like to play, and they say, who is more high-maintenance, mom or dad? And I mean, honestly, we're pretty much head-to-head, -head, David and I. And like, our breakfast, just to show you how extra we are, is a very specific breakfast. It is a very, like, we have to have the farm fresh eggs, and we have to start with our Ezekiel toast, because it's biblical, and we have to have our organic fruit, and we have to have our organic um, pancake that you can't buy in a box. We have specially formulated it through the years with the special amounts of the different seasonings, and the chia seeds, and the flax seeds, and the shredded coconut, and we are so extra that even when we go on vacation, we pack this and we bring it to the hotels. We bring it, because we feel like it starts our day better. Like, we just have to have the, the organic stevia for the special coffee, and we can't even have half and half. We have to have light cream. We are like the Karens that you read about. It's just how we are. So for, uh, for me to have given this up, we, we are now in breakfast time, and it is not that breakfast. It is not that breakfast, but I'm like, I'm giving it all up for, for the Lord. I'm going to do this. So we literally, we, we pack up our stuff, and we don't shower either. There's like one shower um, for the week, which if I'm being honest, I did shower more, but let's not talk about that. Um, I did sneak off on occasion, but so we go, and um, we're ready. I'm like, Lord, I want a splitting of the sea moment. I want to be radically changed by you. So they give us a pile of flyers. The whole week in Hartford is leading up to this big, huge block party. 
And this is where the whole community comes together. And we give out um, food and clothing, and we pray for each other, and we minister. I mean, God just shows up. Even the police officers say that during the weeks of the Hartford Project, crime is down, there's less domestic violence. Like, it's a, actually a supernatural thing. So the whole week, you're just planning for this big party. And so they said, OK, girls, they give it to my group. We're in charge of letting the neighborhood know when it is. And they give us a big pack of flyers to go and bring door to door. So me and the girls are like, let's go. We got this. And if there's an opportunity to pray, we're going to pray. We're going to minister. This is going to be great. And we get out there, and we start knocking on doors. And really, no one answered. And if they did, they said some really not great words to us and shut the door. No one wanted our flyers. No one. So we said, we're not going to get discouraged. Obviously, God's in this. We're going to go to the local park. And there, there's tons of families. Families are going to love this. So we pile up the kids. We go to this park that has a pool in it. And as we pull up, everyone is frantically getting out of the pool. And I say, this is a God incident. Like, clearly... God has ordained this. Come to find out a kid had used it as a toilet. But either way, God uses everything. So they jump out of the pool, and we're, we have our flyers, and we are pumped. We are psyched to hand these flyers out. And we start handing them out, and no one, again, really wants them. And they apparently didn't get the memo because they thought this was a time to smoke a lot of marijuana. And the entire park was like a big, huge hot box, and there was so much marijuana being smoked, and I was concerned about the children, and we were like, we tried to do as much ministry as we could, which was a complete and total debacle, and I, we said, let's go, girls, I gotta get you, let's, let's just go, and as we're walking, we see the flyers that we had just handed out just scattered and blowing on the floor. It was a debacle. It was not fruitful, and this is not what I was asking for. Where is the splitting of the seas? I'm waiting for it. But there's more. There's more. There's more days. We're not going to get discouraged. We're going to continue. So the next day, they have these things that the locals in Hartford open up their homes to you, and you have dinner with them. And again, because I'm so high maintenance, that makes me a little on the nervous side. I don't know these people that I'm going to their homes. I don't know if they let their cats walk on the counter. You know what I'm saying. I don't know if they know how to prepare food correctly, but I've got a good attitude because I'm daring to be a Daniel, and I'm going to do this. And so I had the girls. There's a big clipboard, and it has your group name and your address, and one of the girls got it for me. And we go to this house, and we pull in, and it was the most magnificent mansion we have ever been in. I mean, this house in Hartford was gorgeous. And we walk in, and just like in biblical proportions, there is a feast set out before us. And I screamed, the Lord is blessing us. This is great. Look at this. I mean, the food is hot and prepared and waiting for us. Just like the Bible says, a feast set out before you. And my reaction was so large that the homeowner was a little shocked at how excited I was. He didn't realize it was just because I was so happy it was clean. But he said, why don't you come look at the whole house? I'm going to give you a tour of the entire house. And it was a three-level mansion. And by the time I got to the top floor, 
I got a phone call from one of the kids that was downstairs, and it turns out we had read the address wrong. <laughs> this was not the house that we were supposed to be in. We were in the wrong house. That banquet was not for us. God was, in fact, not blessing us, and it was a debacle, and we had to walk out sadly, as the other real group came in looking at us and laughing, and we had to get into our car, drive all the way across town, and it was not as desirable as the first. The next house we went to was not what we had just left. What, what's happening here? I am literally giving up all of my comforts. I'm not praying for people. I have had no split sea moment. I've had no red sea time at all. What is happening? But we have the block party. And this is the thing that the kids are like, this is going to be great. We are going to make a difference. We're going to pray for people. Their lives are going to be changed. I know it. So we put on our little t-shirts and off we go to the block party, and we are ready. We are prayed up, and we are ready. And this is the job that they gave us. We collected trash. Our job was not to pray, was not to minister. It was to pick up the wrappers of the free hot dogs people were getting because they would just whip them onto the ground, take a few sips of the water bottle and whip them onto the ground. That is what our job was. The best part of the entire trip for me was this next slide. It's when we won that little trophy. We won the talent show. That is the highlight of our trip. That little weird trophy was the highlight for me. We literally changed um, the words from a Miley Cyrus song to fit with the Harford Project, and we won the talent show. What the heck? That is not a Red Sea moment. That is not what God has called me to do. I'm, fine. I'm not eating my breakfast. I'm sleeping somewhat on the floor. I am, not, I am not showering as much as I would like. And this is not, what the heck? I got this wrong. But did I get it wrong or is my perspective just completely off? You see, we have been raised, especially in the church, that if we don't have a Moses moment, then we don't have any moment. See, when you look at Moses, he, God called one Moses, but there was one million Israelites. What was God doing in the one million? If it's not a Moses moment, to me, it's not, it's not worth it. If I'm not like Sonny, who can go to Africa for four weeks, am I even walking as a Christian? Am I doing anything of significance in the kingdom of God? My perspective is completely wrong. When we walk in obedience and adjust our lives to him, is a Red Sea moment. It is a Red Sea moment. And every single time we bend our knee to the Lord, it is significant. It may not look like Moses, but it is significant in the kingdom of God. So as I was um, doing this study, I looked at Stephen. Now, Stephen, as we know, is the biggest martyr ever, right? He's the, the famous martyr of the Bible. He had the longest speech in the Bible. He made the Pharisees and the Sadducees so angry that they dragged him out and they he literally stood before them and just quoted 
Scripture and the Bible. The Holy Spirit filled him, and he was able to just stand before them and say what God wanted him to say. This is his resume. This is how the Scripture um, describes him. He is a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. He is a man full of God's grace and power. He is a man full of wisdom the Spirit gave him, and he had a face like the face of an angel. That is quite a resume for Stephen. Like, can you imagine having the Lord look at us and say those things about you? I certainly can't. And as he's being stoned for defending and spreading the gospel, this is what it says. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, he said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man is standing at the right hand of God. He's the first person that got to see Jesus after he ascended. Stephen, he got to see Jesus Christ up in heaven. And then he says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. That is the exact words of Jesus Christ on the cross. Do you know how supernaturally Holy Spirit-filled you have to be while you're getting stoned to say those words? I can guarantee you, if you were started to stone me right now, the last thing on my mind would be to forgive your sin. That's how supernatural Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have to look back. Where is, where did Stephen come from? So you go back a few chapters and this is where he comes from. It, this is Acts 6. In those days, when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention and prayer to the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Stephen waited on tables. He waited on tables, yet was filled with the Spirit. You see... That is such good news for us because I'm the one that got it wrong. I'm the one that got it wrong. It wasn't the Hartford Project that got it wrong. I'm the one that got it wrong. Because if I'm going to pick up garbage, I'm going to do it filled with the Spirit. If I am going to pass out flyers, I'm going to do it filled with the Spirit. And if you're going to work at Travelers, you're going to do it filled with the Spirit. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're going to do it well and be filled with the Spirit. Everywhere that you are is exactly where God wants you to be, and that is your mission field. And when we're looking for the Moses experience, we're missing it. Because what is God doing now, right now in your lives? You're missing it. I am missing it. He is not asking you to give up your job at Travelers. He's asking you to do it well in the Spirit. He's not asking you to give up your family. He's asking you to lead it in the spirit. There is a very big difference there. And what is God doing for you in your life now? When our focus of what God is going to do is more important than what God is doing, we're missing out on so much. And now there are specific things that God does ask of us, 
and we do have to adjust our lives radically to those. I mean, he asked Doug to move to Connecticut and start a church, and that's why we're all sitting here. He did ask Noah to build a boat. He did ask Moses to get those Israelites out. He did ask me to run a youth group. However, whatever God asks you is so significant, and we have to stop looking at what God's asking others and see what God's asking us because not one is more significant than the other. What I love about the Lord is that when, when one sinner, one sinner comes and bows his knees, the entire heavens stop for a moment. They stop and they rejoice over that one sinner. Nothing, nothing, not, not something small, not something large. If it's in obedience, it's where exactly where you should be. And that is your Red Sea moment. And I want to talk about two people that are not talked about that often. Their name is uh, Simeon and Anna. Now, Simeon is described as righteous and a devout man, and he is told that he will not die until he sees the Messiah. Anna is described very clearly, very old. Two old people that have a message from the Lord. Now, someone here needs to hear this, that just because you are old, you are not insignificant. God does not stop working in your life and have you working for him because you retire from your job. He wants to use you mightily for his kingdom until the day you take your last breath. You are just as significant than anyone else in this room. He uses everyone that is willing to, to just listen to his voice. Now, Simeon and Anna both had the same assignment from the Lord. They were told to give a word to Mary and Joseph. So they waited. They went into the temple day and night and day and night, and they waited upon the Lord for the Messiah to come. That is exactly where we are right now in our lives. We are waiting for that same Messiah to come, are we not? We are waiting for the second coming of Christ, and we are waiting for that same Messiah that Simeon and Anna were waiting for as well. And they were in the temple day and night, worshiping and praying to the Lord. And let me tell you, the temple is a really busy place. Now, it's not written in the scriptures, but I can guarantee that they blessed so many people. Anna was a prophet who had multiple words for people. And so I guarantee you when people came in and out of the temple, they stopped and prayed and ministered. How many people did they bless? How many people did they give words to? How many people did they encourage? That's us. As we're waiting for the Messiah, that's us. Don't waste our time here just waiting, but we need to be doing. So when they saw Mary and Joseph come in, they got to give their words. Now Simeon took baby Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, This child is destined, destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now this is so awesome to hear because Mary and Joseph, they got a word from actually the archangel. They were actually had a discussion 
with an angel, a tangible angel. And Mary and Joseph needed some reassurance that what they heard was correct. How many times have we heard, did I hear from the Lord? Did I actually hear from the Lord? And then someone comes alongside you and says, you know what I think the Lord's doing in your life? And it confirms something in you. If Mary and Joseph needed that, how much more do we need that? And we got these two old people in the temple waiting to give them that word, that life-giving word. I think that is such an encouragement to just show you that there is no big, there is no small in the kingdom of God. One sentence that is the word of God can move mountains, can, can birth in such a boldness of you to give you confirmation where God is leading you and, and bringing you. And that is exactly what happened. And the last line, Mary must have pondered and, and gone over and gone over. It says in the scripture that they, were, they marveled at what this man said. And I just have to think that the day that Jesus was crucified on the cross, when he was beaten and bloodied and hanging, and, and as a mom watching that happen, she must have recalled that, that this was God's will. And that no matter how difficult it was, I can imagine her crumpled by the feet of her son, and holding on to the words of that old man saying to her that her soul is going to be pierced too. And that must have given her such comfort to know that as difficult as it is, it was the will of God. So 33 years later, that word from that old man was still comforting because that's the power of the word of the Lord. And that's what he gives all of us for one another. That's what he gives everyone here that is filled with the Spirit, the ability to hear and walk in the things of him. So when we, a couple of weeks ago, we had cardboard testimonies here. And if you, if you missed it, it's where you um, write on one side of the cardboard um, something that you were, and then you flip it over, and it's um, the, the opposite of it. It's what God has done in your life. So um, people were getting up, and they were having these um, words that were like, you know, I was a drunk for 30 years and flipped over, and I'm sober for 10. Or I, was, um, I cheated on my wife, and I was unfaithful, and then you turn it over, and it was, I'm faithful. Or I was dead in sin, and you turn over, and it's alive in Christ. So powerful things on these cardboard testimonies. The Spirit of God was really there. And well, one of my youth group kids was sitting at the table and he didn't go up. And I said, you know, what's going on? Why are you not going up? Like, what is on your, what's on your card? And he showed me and it said the word selfish. And I said, okay, you know, that's, that's good. Like, you know, flip it over. What does it say on the other side? And he flipped it over and it said a little less selfish. And I said, that is the beginning of the Red Sea parting. Because don't you know that when the Lord shows you that you're selfish and now you're a little less, that is the power of God. And this kid, a few years earlier, had so much anger and so much rage in him. And so for him to say that he's a little less selfish as a youth group leader, I was touched, I was psyched, I was so excited. And how much more is the Lord when you and I take a step for the Lord, when you and I walk in obedience 
in the things of the Lord. He is rejoicing right along with us. So when we look at Luke 14.33 again, and you read it, it's so much less scary. Because what the Lord is saying is let me fill you with your spirit. Give up your attitudes, give up whatever things in your life, because when you're filled with the spirit, it's not that scary. He's gonna lead you into all things. He's gonna walk with you in all things. And we don't have to fear the Spirit of God. We just have to invite the Spirit of God. And remember, He's not asking you for the results. That's not our responsibility. He's just asking you for the action. He didn't call me into Hartford to save Hartford, He just called me to walk and do the Hartford project. He didn't call Moses to change Pharaoh's heart. He just was asked to be the mouthpiece of the Lord. We're not called for the results. We're just called for the actions. And that begins by literally lifting up your hands and saying, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit and lead me where you want me to go, and I will give you everything. I will give you everything. Amen? Thanks for listening today. If you'd like more encouragement or information about New River Church, check us out at newriverchurch.org.